Good morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, I, I've got a message for us today. We're going to close up. We've had a great summer. I mean, it's been a pretty good summer, right? It's been a pretty good summer. But we've had a great summer in the Word because we decided at the beginning of the summer that we were just going to push through the whole summer and we're going to push in on faith. And so we've learned so much about faith. And boy, I don't know about you, but I've needed it. How many have needed their faith? Amen. How many are glad your faith got strengthened, right? And so we've learned through these last few weeks all about faith. We've learned that it doesn't take big faith to do big things. Amen? Because we learned that just a mustard seed amount of faith can do amazing things. We learned that faith comes by hearing. We learned that you have to have the speaking part of your faith because, you know, it's like yesterday we had our go trip. We went to the Holy Land. A big group of us went to the Holy Land. Yeah. We had a great time. And, you know, how many know when you get into, we had a big rental van and uh, it didn't have a phone charger spot. Uh-oh. How many know you got a van full of, I think we had, how many people we have around, like 10 people and no phone charger? You're, that's serious business right there. That's serious issue. And so it didn't have a USB port. And so everyone's like, oh, there's no phone charger, you know. And, uh, and I, I mean, Angel was like at 1% by the time the day was over. And, and, but my point is, is that people brought their cords. They brought their phone. So they had all the necessary ingredients. But they didn't connect them where they needed to go. And if you don't connect things where they need to go, if you, you can have faith in your heart. You can have faith in your heart. You can believe the word. You can be excited about it. But if you don't connect your faith with your mouth, it's not going to work. Amen? Because they are necessary components. Just like you can walk around with a phone charger all day. But if you don't plug it into something with some juice... It's not going to help you. And then if you don't plug the phone charger into the phone, how many know? That's not how that works, right? You got you to connect the thing. You got to connect what needs to be connected. And the faith in your heart needs to be connected to the words in your mouth. And if they're not, it's not going to work. The Bible says that's how we get born again. It says when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We get born again. In Mark 11, what we looked at last week, Jesus said to speak to the mountain. Whoever says to this mountain, there's a says part, and you can't leave the says part out. It's like walking around with your phone charger in your hand, not plugged in, but expecting it to charge. We have it in our heart. I got the cord. I got the cord, but I got to connect it in the right place. And so the faith in my heart has got to be connected to the words in my mouth. And so the words in my mouth need to be connected to the faith in my heart. Because if I have faith in my heart, but my words are something else, how many know that's, that doesn't work that way? They got to be connected. Amen? And so we've learned so much about faith these last few weeks, and so we're going to close it up today, and we're going to talk about how to anchor your faith. Because how many know life gets rough? 
Hey man, life gets rough. And, and you know, and we've been, I've been saying this and I just want to encourage you. You know, you can read the news and this morning I was looking at the news and I thought, man, I don't want to look at this anymore. I don't, because it can be, how many of the news can just suck the life right out of you? Yeah. The news can make you think that just everything is terrible. The news can make you think that everybody's terrible. And you know what? That's not true. That's not true. You know how I know that's not true? Because you hear stories of incredible people doing incredible yeah. things and selfless acts all the time. Yeah. They will always outnumber the bad things you hear. Always. always. Because the Bible says the dark may get darker, but it cannot overcome the light. And the grace of God, the light of God will get brighter. Amen? Yeah. And so when we see negative things that are happening, and we talked last week about how many, there are so many disasters. You know, I, we were talking on Wednesday, and we said, you know, I was reading this thing, and it was talking about how it, there was a time that in the United States, I remember there's a whole world of people that face disasters as well. But even just right here where we are, there was a time where normally you would have one disaster maybe a year. Just one. Whether it be a major tornado or fires out, out west in California or a hurricane here or, or whatever. You would have, you know, one, possibly two per year. But we live in a time now where there are multitudes of disasters all year long. And that's just here. It's that way all over the world. Times have changed we live in a different time. But the grace that we need for the time that we're in belongs to us. Amen? I was saying to, uh, uh, I think I was saying to Vilia, we were talking about just times. And, you know, I said, you know, I'm so, I'm so concerned for the future. When I think of the future, I mean, things are the way they are now. And I think of the future for, for uh, the kids, for Noah, for Kaylee and the kids. And, but then it just rose up in me. I said, but you know what? I said, God's grace will be sufficient for them Amen. just as God's grace is sufficient for us. Amen. Amen? And so when we see all these things that are happening and we see that, that life is changing, but here's who doesn't change. God does not change. Amen? The sea is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if there was ever a time to anchor your faith... Man, it's now. Yeah. Because the winds of life are blowing, the storms are coming, you see the news, you see stuff that's happening. We need to be anchored in what is unchanging. We need to be anchored in what brings us strength. We need to be anchored in our faith in God. Amen? And so today I just want to tell you how to anchor your faith. How many want to know how to anchor your faith? You know, because if you, you know, we're, we're, we like to boat, and I'll tell you what, you know, you go, you go out on Peanut Island, that's such a fun place to go, and you put your anchor out there, and it holds your boat there, even though the, the tide is going, the waves are going, it will hold you right there, no matter what's happening. But you let that anchor up, guess what's going to happen? You're going to drift, you're going to hit the shore probably, we need that anchor. We need to anchor our faith. So turn over to Luke chapter 5. We're just going to talk about how to anchor your faith. Amen? How to anchor it. And so here in Luke chapter 5, we're going to see 
how to anchor our faith when the wind of troubles come, how many know they come, when the storms of life blow in, how many know they do, your faith can remain steady and unharmed. Doesn't that sound good? No matter what happens. And so here we've got this story, and this is Luke in, uh, in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And this is Jesus, and this is uh, Peter. And it says, so it was, as the multitude pressed about him, this is Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And so this is a, a great story because as we look at it, it's a familiar scene. Jesus is again, he's at the water's edge. He's being followed by multitudes. How many know that's a pretty usual thing that happens with Jesus? And he spots two, a few boats. And so he says, in verse number one and two, he says, so he sees all this multitude is coming. He sees these boats, but the fishermen had come from the boats and they were washing their nets. Now, if we know anything about, about fishing, about all that kind of stuff, and especially even here where we live, as soon as anything hits salt water, how, what do you got to do? You got to clean it. Because if you don't clean it, it's, it'll be ruined. And so here we have the fishermen, they're already washing their nets because they were finished with them. They'd already done. How many know we don't, we don't take the boat out and then bring it in, clean it, and then take it right back out? You don't do that. How many know you just don't do that? When you're done, you bring it in, you hose it off. Nobody likes to do that part. Everybody wants to have fun on the boat, but nobody wants to clean it. How many boating people say, yep, that's true, right? <laughs> and so here we go. So when we see this, and so we picture Jesus, so the fishermen are bringing their nets back in, and so here's the thing I want us to look at. The principle of the first one is hope. It's hope. Say hope with me. Hope. It's hope that causes faith to breathe. How many know if something's not breathing, it's not living? It's not living. How many? Do they, how do they find out if, if you're if you're not no longer alive? Check your pulse right? And so the thing is, is that it's, it's hope. And we see that in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1, 1, a lot of us know this one already. It says, now faith is the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Hope is a key component in faith. It's absolutely key. If you don't have faith, then I mean, if you don't have hope, you can't have faith. Because the Bible says hope is, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. Now, a lot of times when we hear that word hope, we automatically think it's, it means the way we say it. How many say it like this? I hope so. Right? Somebody says, hey, you know, you're going you're gonna to be at work tomorrow? I hope so. <laughs> you're going to have enough money for rent? I hope so. There's no expectation behind that attitude of hope. But that's not Bible hope. There's a difference between Bible hope and worldly hope. There's a difference. And so hope is a powerful thing because it deals with how, how God finds people. Amen? Because God is looking. The Bible says that God is looking to and fro over the whole earth. It says in Second Chronicles. And he's looking for those whose hearts are turned towards him. And you know what? When we have a heart of hope, our, our heart is turned towards God because we have an expectation. The word hope means it's a confident expectation. When I say, I hope so, that means I'm expecting it. 
Amen? It's not like a pipe dream where it's never going to happen. Man, I'm expecting it. How many have ever ordered a pizza to be delivered? Seriously, you people have not ordered pizza? What do you do all day, right? We've ordered pizzas. But now you can order anything, right? You can order anything to be delivered. It used to be if you were ordering in, it, it had to be pizza. But now with DoorDash and all that, you can order pretty much anything. But when you order a pizza, you don't go lay down and take a nap. No, you, you, don't, you don't leave. You don't forget about it. Why? Because a pizza's coming. You have an expectation that in 30 minutes or less, 30 minutes or less, somebody's going to be like, pizza's here. Although at our house, we got to watch for them, you know, because we got to, it's the, the game is to see the delivery person before the dogs do. That's the game in our house. We got to see the delivery person before the dogs do, because if the dogs see them first, it's just not pretty. It's not pretty. It's a wrestle to get out the door without them going out the door. It's terrible. But anyway, so the thing is, is that, is, you know, when I say, is, is the pizza coming? If we had a Bible word for hope, we say, I hope so. And that's not like, well, I don't really think it's coming. That, that, does, that doesn't mean, oh, they've let me down so many times before. It might be here. It might not. You know, I'm defrosting stuff just in case. No, that, that's not Bible hope. Bible hope is got is looking out the door. Bible hope has got your neck stretched out, looking, waiting for it, because you have a confident expectation. And it, the Bible says, let's read the scripture again. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. See, if, you're, if you don't have an expectation for anything, if you don't have an expectation for God to show up, if you're not looking and expecting God to move in a situation, don't fool yourself. You are not in faith. You're not in faith. Because the Bible clearly says, now faith is. Here's what it is. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the substance of things that you expect. Amen? It's the evidence of things not seen. I don't need to have hope for Angel to come to church today. You know why? He's here. Some people, you only want to have faith in what you see. You want to have faith in what you see. That, that's, that's not faith. I don't need faith for that. I can see it. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? Not seen. We can say not yet seen. And so when we look here, we see where, where the situation with Peter, I want us to look at three things because God finds, God can find you anywhere. Aren't you glad about that? But there's three things in the story I just want us to see is that in this whole crowd of people, there's a multitude, the Bible says, but in Luke chapter five, verse number three, we see this. It says, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land. Out of this whole multitude of people, Jesus finds one guy, gets into his boat. How many know that Simon becomes Peter 
Amen? And Peter's life begins to change. Peter does such amazing things. Do you know if you read about Peter, he gets such a bad rap sometimes. But do you know that it was Peter's shadow that healed people? It was his shadow. As he would walk, his shadow would heal people. Isn't that amazing? That's the same Peter that, that, that cut off somebody's ear. That's the same Peter that denied Jesus three times. That's the same Peter that seemed to say the wrong thing at the wrong time all the time, right? It's the same guy. And so if you feel like you've messed up a whole bunch, you can get hope in Peter because you can say, hey, look what God did with that guy. Amen? Look what God did with that guy. There's still hope for me. Amen? There's still hope for me. And so when we look here, I just want you to see that sometimes our, our, we need to remember and that hope needs to stir up. That you know what? In the multitudes of people, in the seven billion people on this earth, God still sees me. Amen? Don't think you're lost in the crowd. You can't get lost in the crowd with God. He sees you. He sees you. It says he got into the boat. Despite the bigness of the world, I mean, the world is big. And people, and sometimes we can have this attitude and say, oh, well, God's going to help those people. God's going to help those people. No, God wants to move in your life. Yeah. Amen? God's big enough to move in 7 billion people's lives yeah. if he'll let them. Yeah. There's no limit to God. So let's not limit him. I've heard people say when I've said, oh, you know, have you prayed about it? And people just, just in their silliness and just, it's just ignorance. They just don't know, but they're trying to sound, uh, trying to sound spiritual. And it's really very unspiritual when they say, oh, well, you know, God has so many other things to deal with. Or God, people have such bigger issues that God needs to deal with. See, when we have attitudes like that, we limit God where God has no limits. Amen. God wants to, you know, God wants to deal with you with what may seem like a small deal, just as much as he wants to help and to bless and to move in the lives of people that are struck by catastrophe. God's big enough to do the big and the small and everything in between. And the great news is, is God loves us so much that he wants to do the big and the small and everything in between. If it concerns you, it concerns him. It concerns him. And so never think you're going to be the one lost in the crowd. Because with, with Jesus, you can't get lost in the crowd. There's no multitude too big for God to find you. Amen? But you know what? God saw something in Peter. He saw something in him. Next thing that, that we see just in this small portion of Scripture, and that's what we've done all summer. We've just taken one little piece of Scripture, and we've just pulled it out, and we've just really seen a lot in it is that God will show up and he'll show up right where you work. Notice that God didn't meet Peter or Simon at the time. He didn't meet him at church. He met him when he was at work. That was his job. He was a fisherman. And you know what? God wants to show up where you work too. And that coworker, that coworker that needs Jesus, that classmate that needs Jesus, and you keep thinking, man, if I could just get him into church, if I could just get him into church, if I could just get him into church, man, it's great to get people into church, but guess what? God's outside of church too. How about that? Amen. God wants to show up where people work. And we see that right here. Jesus saw two boats standing on the lake. 
But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Peter wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus showed up anyway. Isn't that good? Peter wasn't looking for Jesus, but he showed up and got right in his boat, got right in his workplace. Amen? And you know what? Jesus can get right in your coworker's cubicle. He can get right in your office. He can get right where you stand in an assembly line. He can get right where you are in a kitchen. He can get right where you are behind a computer because God is everywhere. Amen? God is everywhere. And he showed up right there and a lot of times say, oh, I can't have a relationship with God. I'm just too busy. I've got too much to do. I've got this. I've got that. And God's like, I'll be right where you are. I'll be right where you are. Everybody has stuff to do. Everybody does. But Jesus will come and find you in the midst of all that work. He'll still find you. And you know what? He'll move in your coworkers' lives. That's what prayer does. That's what being that light does. Because you know where Jesus is now? Jesus is in you. Jesus is in you. Just like Jesus jumped on that boat. Simon's boat, when you step into a co-worker's cubicle or you step up to a co-worker's desk, you walk up to a co-worker and the opportunity, the Holy Ghost is moving on the inside of you to, to say something, to do something. Man, it's just like Jesus standing right in Simon's boat. It's the same thing because Jesus is in you. Amen? Jesus is in you. Another thing I see just from this, just from one scripture, I just see so much. Number one, you can't get lost with Jesus. Just like we sang today, there's no mountain he won't climb up. Amen? There's no boat he won't jump in, right? We'll add another line. There's no office he won't come in. You can't get lost in a multitude with Jesus. He'll find you. He'll find you. And he'll show up right where you are. You know, we don't need to get, I mean, it's great to get people in church. That's not what I'm saying. But don't limit it. Don't limit it. You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, I work with all believers now, right? Because I work here. Everybody works here as a believer. But there was a time when I didn't. And, you know, I, I led so many people to the Lord in my workplace. Not because I was a Jesus freak. Not because I was weird. Not because I walked around preaching to them all the time. Not for that at all. I did it because they saw Jesus in me. And they were always coming to me when nobody else was around, right? Hey, Peggy, you think you could pray for me? You think you could tell me, what is it about you? You've changed so much. And I remember I was at Inspiration House. I've told this story, but God will use the most amazing things to do amazing things. Things that seem insignificant to us. But Inspiration House used to be on Okeechobee and Military Trail in, wait for it, the Cross County 8 Mall. Some of you are like, the what? Yeah, it was there. It was there. Trust me. And Inspiration House was there. And I remember I went in there before I went to work one day. And I hadn't been back with the Lord very long. And I went in there. And I got this little tiny pen. And it said, Jesus is number one. It was tiny. And this is back. I worked at Publix. And I, we, we used to wear those green uniforms. How many remember those? Green, bright, bright green polyester uniforms. Those things were the best. And I put it on my lapel, on my, on my uniform. And I thought, if anybody tells me to take it off, I'll take it off because they're paying my paycheck, right? And I'm going to honor authority. But I put it on there. Nobody ever said anything. 
But I'll tell you what, that pen led more people to the Lord. It was amazing. Why? Because God shows up in a workplace. Amen? Don't think this is the only place God's going to show up. God shows up here, but he shows up, listen to me, wherever you are. Wherever you are. And the next thing I see from this story is in verse 4 and 5. When we see it, it says, When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep. So he got into the boat, and he asked, asked him to go out a little bit. And he said, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. You know what this shows me? That after failure, when people feel disappointed, God still shows up. Amen? Because Peter had a bad night of fishing. He said, that they had caught nothing. How many know when you're a professional fisherman, that's how you make your living and you catch nothing? That's like being a waitress and getting no tips. Same thing. You got nothing. And so here's Jesus, and he says, hey, launch out into the deep. And Peter tells him where he's at, what's happened. And G but he says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when we look at that, we can learn this. The hope of faith is this. God can find you no matter where you are. Isn't that good news? Even when you feel like you're lost in a crowd, there's too much to do, or when things haven't worked out the way you thought they were going to and you feel disappointed, God is there for you. If you don't have hope, you can't have faith. And here's what we want to learn from the story. And this is so good, especially for people who have been faith people for a long time. The thing we need to do to anchor our faith, number one, we got to have hope. we got to remember that no matter how many people are around, no matter what's going on, my God is here. Number two, got to listen. It's hard to listen when you have tried and failed. Isn't that the truth? It's hard to listen. When Jesus tells Peter to lower the nets, Peter replies, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Peter is tired. He's been lowering the nets all night long. And when you've been up all night working, how keen are you to listen? How, how, how you're like, mm, I don't want to hear this. Here's what I want you to hear today. It's especially difficult to listen when someone is suggesting exactly the same thing you've already been doing. Happens all the time in faith. Because listening isn't high on our to-do list. And when we feel like we've been in faith and we feel like we've been doing what we're supposed to do, and hey, Peter could have said, listen, I've been fishing all night. I'm not going to keep fishing. But we need to listen. Because when, when the pastor comes and says, listen, you need to walk in love, you need to be quick to repent, quick to believe God, and you got to walk in love. And you're kind of like, seriously? I've been doing that, and you don't want to hear it. But usually it's exactly what you need to hear. It's exactly what we need to hear. But when, when we're doing what we feel like we're supposed to be doing, and, we're, and, and listen, we're talking about how to anchor your faith. 
because storms come and stuff comes and disappointments come and things don't work out the way we thought they were going to. And at that time, the last thing you want to hear anybody say is, hey, you need to get back in there and do it again. That's the last thing you want to hear. But that's exactly what Jesus was saying to Peter. He'd already been fishing all night. And he's saying, hey, those nets that you just cleaned, let's take those back out. Let's do again what you've been doing. And you know what? That For faith people, I tell you, as a pastor, I run into it all the time. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to listen to it. Nobody wants to do it. Because we're like, I've been doing that. But we got to say, nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will pray. Nevertheless, at your word, I will give. Nevertheless, at your word, I will walk in love. Nevertheless, at your word, I will listen to the word. Nevertheless, I'll still do it. Because we don't want to listen when we're in a storm. We don't want to listen when the wind is raging. We do not want to listen when we feel like we've been doing that. We do not want to listen. You know, one of the, one of the things that we say, man, we say, have you prayed about it? I've been praying about it. And then when things don't change or things don't move or you didn't, you had a night where you toiled all night and nothing happened, you don't want to hear to keep doing it. But what are we, what are we going to do? It's like when, when, the, when Jesus said to the disciples, are you going to leave me now? And Peter said, where else would we go? Where else are you going to go? Anybody else got the power of God? No. Anybody else got the love of God? No. Where else you going to go? You might as well just say, nevertheless. You know, Peter, Peter had an attitude all the time. <laughs> right? He always had an attitude. Could you imagine the attitude he probably had with Jesus after he cleaned the net? He's frustrated. He didn't catch anything. He's tired. And now Jesus is like, hey, why don't we go in the deep? Why don't we go in the deep and toss those things out again? You know, Peter was probably like, nevertheless, right? Nevertheless, it's a key part of anchoring your faith because the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Faith comes from listening to what God says. When you're worn out, you don't want to listen, you're at your most vulnerable because you're tired, you're hurt, you're whatever, but you know, the ability to hear and the choice to hear are two separate things. Amen? The ability to hear and the choice to hear are two separate things. How many know somebody has got selective hearing? Right? Selective hearing. I mean, I, we joke our dogs have selective hearing. You know, you can, you can make all kind of noise. When, when Scott was away, now this is my dogs. I shouldn't tell this story, but I'll tell it anyway. They're totally fired as watchdogs. Completely, they're fired. Fired. You're fired. I looked at them, I said, you are fired. <laughs> Scott's away. I'm laying in bed. I'm sleeping. All of a sudden, I hear people, I, I hear people talking, like right outside my window. And, I, and, I, and it's so funny, because Mozzie's laying there sleeping, and we both raise our heads up at the same time, like, What's happening? What's happening? Nobody barks. Nope, nobody, nobody does anything. So I, I hear people talking like right, I have a fenced in front yard. Somebody talking right outside my window. 
So then I get up and I walk out and I look in the backyard and the lawn people have already been there and planted new plants. No joke, on the deck right outside my door and my two giant watchdogs are sound asleep. And I'm like, seriously? But you rattle a piece of like chip wrapper or something like that, you, you open the refrigerator and it is boom, they are on guard, ready to go. What are we getting? What do you call that? Selective hearing. But you know what? We can have the same thing to the word. Where we're getting the basics of, hey, you know, God's speaking to you. He's saying, hey, you need to forgive. You need to walk in love. You need to grow. You need to, get, you need to get help about a situation. You need to get healing about something. And we're just 100 mile an hour or we're sleeping. We're sleeping. We don't want to hear that. But then, man, when we, when we need God, we're like, God, where are you? And God's like, I've been talking to you. I've been talking to you. See, the ability to hear and the choice to listen are two different things. They're two different things. Just because your ear is vibrating with God's word doesn't mean you're listening to it. Hey, Amen? Just like there are people in this room today, you are hearing me, but you are not listening to me. <laughs> and it doesn't offend me at all because people do the same thing to Jesus. You, you, you're hearing noise, but you're not listening. But you'll be the same person when disaster strikes to call me. And it's in times, like, and that's fine, and I'll answer, and so will God. But you know what? If you'll listen here, it'll avert problems there. Amen? Because had Peter said, you know what? I'm not doing that then he wouldn't have gotten the result that he got. Because the Bible says in John 10, 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. We don't get to listen when it's convenient. We don't get to listen only in times of disaster. Sheep listen daily. We listen daily. And when we listen daily, it helps us because we know that a shepherd will guide, will feed, will protect us. And so if we'll listen in the everyday, it'll help us along the way. Amen? We got to listen. You know, there's musicians that, you know, they can walk in and they can hear a song. And because their ear is so tuned to it, they can know the notes that are being played. They can know if something is out of tune. They can know if something is off. You know why? Because they've trained their ear to hear. And we've got to train our ear to hear. How many know you can be in a crowd and, and uh, all kinds of kids are yelling, Mom, Mom, Mom. But when your kid yells, how many moms, you know your kid. All kind of kids are screaming, but your kid yells. You're like, that's my kid. That's my kid. You know what? We need to listen. This is the kind of ear we need to develop to anchor our faith. Amen? Because when Jesus told Peter to do that, he said, Nevertheless, Lord, at your word 
Had he let his frustration cause him not to hear? Had he let his disappointment cause him not to hear? Had he let his tiredness cause him not to hear? He wouldn't have gotten the best catch of his life. We got to train ourselves to listen. Not just when we want to. We got to tell ourselves, listen, listen. Develop an ear that listens to his voice. And the next thing about we're, we're anchoring our faith. We got to have hope. We got to listen. We got to be obedient. We got to be obedient. Let's be honest. Being obedient is hard when you're tired. And Peter was tired. He'd been up all night. It was the end of the night. It hadn't been easy. Obedience demands energy that you don't feel you have to give. Do you hear that? Most of the time, you don't feel like doing what God tells you to do. That's just the truth. It's obedience. But when Peter listened to Jesus, asked him to throw his nets out, he said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Peter was in a moment that, in obedience that really didn't make sense. And a lot of times the things that God tells us to do aren't going to make sense to our natural mind. Nevertheless. And sometimes we find ourselves in the same place. When your budget is already tight and God says to give. When you got no energy left at the end of a day and God says to reach out and call somebody. When you got all kinds of things on your to-do list and God says to serve. What's happening? Obedience demands energy you don't realize you have. But what happens when you do it? What happens? Nevertheless, at your word. Nevertheless, at your word. And in Luke 5, 6, and 7, let's see what happens. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. Verse number 7 says, So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the, vo both the boats so that they began to sink. How many would like to have so much money, so much provision, so much of whatever it is you need that you just feel so weighted down you're about to sink? Because you know what? Anchored faith has responsibility. Anchored faith is always generous. Because selfish faith becomes destructive. It becomes destructive. Faith comes with a responsibility to be generous. As Peter's boat begins to fill up with so many fish that if he keeps them all, he's going to capsize his vessel. How many know there's people who would do that? There's people who just have their mind all on themselves. But Peter calls out to the other fishermen for help and gives them their own huge haul of fish, so much so that their boat begins to sink as well. And we got to go back and remember, how did this all begin? It happened after a disappointing time. It happened in a place of frustration. It happened in a place of being tired. It happened in a, group, a multitude of people. And you know what? Those are all the things that we always say, and we always use those examples of why something can't work. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, it didn't work out. Oh, I'm very disappointed. Oh, I'm just so frustrated. I've been doing this. I've been doing it. 
But God says, you know what? Let's just keep doing it. Let's keep hearing the word. Let's keep doing the word. Let's keep speaking the word. Let's keep being in faith. Nevertheless, you don't get a vacation from faith. Amen? We don't get a vacation from doing things God's way. And so often we only, we only want, we want to use faith like a time clock. Everything's good, so I'm going to be over here doing my own thing. I'm not going to tithe, and I'm not going to give, and I'm not going to do this because, you know, everything's pretty good. But, man, as soon as something happens, click, 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 I'm clocking in. Jesus! I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm just saying, you know what? There's a way to live where we don't have to be like that. There's a way to live. You don't have to get to that point because your faith is anchored. Amen? Your faith is anchored. And when your faith is anchored, you're clocked in all the time. Amen? When your faith is anchored, you are connected to God all the time. You don't have to go from emergency to emergency. You can go from, you know what, God, I'm just, I'm just in an attitude of faith all the time. Amen? I don't want to disconnect from hearing God's voice. I don't want to disconnect from his word. I want to keep hearing it and hearing it. Amen? And next time you're frustrated, next time you're tired, next time you feel like you've already done everything and the Lord's just coming up and saying, hey, do it again. Do it again. You need to remember what Peter said. Nevertheless, Lord, at your word, at your word, nevertheless. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I quit doing some things I know I'm supposed to do. I quit giving. Get back in it. I quit serving. Get back in it. I quit, I quit doing all this, doing all that. Get back in it. Nevertheless, Lord, you want to anchor your faith? Just keep doing the word. Keep doing what Jesus says to do. Because when you just keep doing what Jesus says to do, it has to work out. You have God's word on it. It has to work. Don't let the circumstances tell you what to do. Don't let your feelings tell you what to do. Don't let your energy level tell you what to do. Don't let your failures tell you what to do. Don't let disappointments tell you what to do. Let Jesus tell you what to do. And when he does, no matter how frustrating it may feel, no matter how aggravating you may feel about it, you know Peter had to be aggravated. We need to just be like Peter and say, nevertheless, Lord, at your word, I'll do it. And when we do, things are going to work out. You say, how's it going to work out? I don't know, but I know God does. And he says that my steps are ordered by him. He said that he'll lead me on the best pathway for my life. He said that his way is the way. Amen? Somebody asked me the other day, they said, how do you, how do you not just stop? And I looked at him and I just said, it's not an option. You just have to remove it as an option. Somebody said, how long have you, how have you been married 24 years? How'd you do that? I said, it was never an option not to be. It's not an option. Amen? 
And you know what? It's not an option not to be in faith. It's not an option not to be anchored in faith. So you want to anchor your faith? Just keep doing what Jesus said to do. No matter how many times you may feel like you've done it, just keep doing it. Get a checkup. That's why outside counsel is a good idea. You might, you might continue to keep doing something, but you're not recognizing there's a big, old, ugly unforgiveness on your, on your shoulders messing you up. It needs somebody to help you. That's why church is here. That's why you got people around you, love you, care about you. Amen? But let's not check out. Let's make sure we're checked in. Because the way that an anchor works, it stays buried. It stays down. The way faith works, it stays anchored. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus.